FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 336 of the podcast that goes snicked. That's right, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and we're going to talk about X-Men Grand Design Extinction Part 1. Now, I know, we make it look really easy, but believe it or not, podcasting can sometimes be hard. And by that, I don't mean the actual podcasting, and and while it can be time-consuming and detail-oriented, I don't even mean the actual editing. What I'm referring to specifically is scheduling. Um, especially when you start getting people like in different time zones and even different countries. You know, sometimes it can be quite a um, juggling act to try to pull everybody together and find a good time that people can record. And so, with that in mind... Last episode, episode 335, which was an amazing episode on the Extinction Agenda, a flashback episode where I had the Excaliburos on. Um, while I had the guys together, and while we knew that um, X-Men Grand Extinction Part 1 was coming out, I thought, hey, it may be a while before we can get back together, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it now. And we did. Unfortunately, that was a that episode was pretty long, and so I decided to cut out the part where we talked about Grand Design Extinction Part One, and move it to something else. And so we're going to talk about it here. I have the Excaliburs back on. Dan and Georgie, both of them, did a twofer. Uh, got them both for the price of one. Um, <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna have that conversation now that we had really on the previous episode, so all that to say, if it sounds like that conversation was pulled out of somewhere else and just kind of stuck here, that's because it was. <laughs> so so if it starts kind of awkward and like it maybe was you know, coming in on the middle of a conversation, I mean, I found the cleanest kind of breaking point I could, that sounds weird, I found the cleanest kind of break in the audio that I could to make it sound as uh, independently conversational as I could. But um, anyway, I hope you, you still enjoy it because it's a pretty cool conversation that the uh, Excaliburos and I had, uh, Dan and Georgie, about X-Men Grand Design Extinction Number 1 by Ed Fisker. And of course, after that, while I'm making a new episode, I'll go ahead and talk about some other new comics as well. So... This one's for all you dads and grads. If you're listening to this when it comes out, happy Father's Day. And if you're not, happy next Father's Day. And if you're listening to this in the year 2049, then I'm glad you're still alive. Alright, well here's some talk about X-Men Grand Design Extinction Number 1. Take it away, Excaliburos! And I was also... I thought we had this really like um, fortuitous synchronicity going because Grand Design came out right before we were ready to record 
And this course is called Extinction. And I was like, oh, sweet. It'll be like the same story. We can do some comparisons and stuff. And wasn't forgot about the fact that he and Pisker still had to get through all of like Inferno. So, <laughs> so we are still going to talk about it, but it won't be quite as relevant to the episode we're doing, but I think it'll still be fun. So this is, of course, is the X-Men Grand Design Extinction number one. And I don't know about you guys, I got the variant cover that had all the letter boxes on the front, and it, it's kind of a treat. I haven't seen uh, that. I just got the normal one. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to kind of do what we did last time, dear listeners, with uh, Grand Design, and we're each just going to kind of go through and talk about 10 notable moments, whether something that struck us as particularly awesome or just a really cool kind of adaptation or maybe something we didn't like as much. And uh, let's kind of go through that. So, um, Georgie, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, Just to preface this, my list isn't like the best parts necessarily, but just memorable moments that I just thought were fun, right? So the first one on my list is from page three. It's like Scott walking away from the X-Men all dejected <laughs> and he's carrying all the luggage for his whole family. And there's the silhouette of like his costume behind him and his head's hung. Right. So he's like really depressed that he's off to be a family man. Right. So I, just, I, I thought, I mean, that, that does kind of encapsulate part of it. He was never really happy as a family man. So it was a nice little like tongue in cheek joke there. Yeah, no, that that's also one of mine. So we were we were keyed in on that moment together. Um, I thought it was really funny, but also kind of telling. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Okay, well, Dan, what's one you got? Mine's like an overall thing, which is like I totally forget that the series of X Men's utterly batshit insane, and <laughs> there's tentacles and beasts and monsters and like magic and i was just like i forgot all of this existed yeah and, yes <laughs> very cool very cool um kind of one that i had too was i really liked that he framed this whole chapter around baby nathan i thought that was cool it kind of starts and ends it's not necessarily through his perspective or anything but just kind of kind of goes through the kind of the various journey, like his first year or so. So I thought that was a cool framing device. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good choice. All right, Georgie, what, what's one more you got? I, I, I'm sure we all have this one, but uh, just his Mr. Sinister design is just <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, kind of to go with that, I talked about designs in general, uh, but particularly his Sinister and his Sabretooth. Yes. I liked his kind of mop of hair that he gave Sabretooth. So. Yes, yeah, Sinister looked great. But yeah, no, I thought his Sabretooth, like with the hair and stuff, was pretty great. But yeah, uh, they're the, the just kind of... I think one of the funnest things about this book is just kind of seeing all the characters through his style. Yes. Um, and so that was really fun. All right, Dan... Wh- What's one more for you? I'd say the use of Salox butterfly as an actual liquid butterfly. It's quite a nice visual. Visual. I generally just like the panels of Psylocke doing her psychic thing. Yeah, those are nice. I appreciate yeah. that. I had also. Uh, oh, uh, in the in the baseball game, Wolverine getting Bill Bucknerd, rest in peace. Oh yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> like when the mole guy comes out of the ground. 
that ball just kind of bounces right between his legs. It was pretty great. Yeah, I was, I'm looking at that page now. Just the expression on his face is perfect. Yeah. What about you, Georgie? Let's go back to you. This is more of an overall, but Storm in his book is, like, brutal to everyone. He's, like, really <laughs> judgmental and, like, aggressive. I was like, whoa, this this is an aggressive Storm. Yeah, she's uh, pretty ruthless, for sure. Yeah, especially the far... I mean, it kind of matches, though, because during the Mutant Massacre, when she took over the team, like, she was out for blood. I mean, she's the one that told Wolverine, like, hey, is that, that line I, is probably one of the lines you're referring to where she's like... We need one alive, but he doesn't need arms or legs. That's pretty much verbatim from uh, Mutant Massacre issues. So, Yeah, there was that line in the when she was like yelling at, at Havoc. Or Havoc makes a very brief appearance, but she like scares the, the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, what did I walk into? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, Dan, what about you? Um, I gotta love like the end panels where Sinus is being attacked by demons while he's holding a baby. Um, yes. Page thirty-six, where he's just like, "This is panel with um, Madeline, uh, full Goblin Queen," and he's just like, he just looks so upset, just like how holding the baby slightly away from him. I just really <laughs> yeah. like, I, I just like it, <laughs> like how it's playing. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, I had marked that on my list as well, and it was, it's also. Like the whole book, he's he's like in control, and suddenly he's like, ah, oh well, I give up. It's it's kind of a, a quick turn. <laughs> kind of kind of going with that much earlier in the book, I think on page nineteen, uh, he's holding baby Nathan, like almost giving him like a baby wedgie. Um, <laughs> that was it's just kind of funny how he just kind of tosses the baby around and pulls it around by the diaper or whatever. It's the the treatment of him. It's really funny, too, because when you think about, like, the storyline, like, that baby's, like, the culmination of, like, years and years of hard work for him. And he's kind of, like, throwing it around like <laughs> a ham sandwich or something. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also love um, his representation of Malice. That was interesting. Just making her really, like, kind of witchy looking as opposed to, you know... Classic late eighties, early nineties, pseudo sexy female. She's like this really malicious, demonic looking entity. I thought that was interesting. Definitely very demonic. I do like the panel where she takes Polaris. We want the yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay, who? Wh- where are we at now, Georgie? Yeah, so just more of a continuity thing. But this book feels like they're just introducing Dazzler, but. I, f- I feel like that came way, way early. Like, the, I think there's an issue where they meet her and, and they help her at, like, a concert. She's like, no way, I've never joined the X-Men. And then she has her, her solo series. And uh-huh. uh, it, was, it was just interesting to see the retcon of they just go and pick her up when she's on the team. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Had she been in earlier issues of Grand Design? I couldn't remember either. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. But no, I mean, that's definitely an interesting decision. Because she was definitely full. I mean, she was on the Outback team and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. Uh, what about you, Dan? Have any more um, on your list? The last one I've got on my list is my favorite panel, which is the end of Sinister Cyclops. Yes, that's such a great panel, and the so color work and everything on it is 
really fantastic. Um, it kind of goes with like near the beginning where it marries the idea that all the, when they kill people at the beginning, the bodies are white, but they leave a trail of, of red, which kind of reminds me of this um, where he shatters him with the white beam and the red around him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's like a visual callback to all of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and definitely just kind of his style. You know, kind of the white figures, I'll go ahead and mention, I really like the one, the panel where the X-Men sacrifice themselves in Dallas, I thought was a fantastic panel. Like, it just looks really cool. Oh, yeah. And it's and amazing, they, like, in this in this book, the, the world government, everyone's aware that the X-Men just, like, gave their lives to save everything, but it's never really brought up. You know, later on, like, oh, yeah, the, the superheroes, they, like, actually help us. They never remember that. No, no, no. <laughs> How quickly we forget, right? Um, <laughs> well, the, uh, see, the only one I thought it was an interesting choice uh, to put Jean in her 90s costume instead of her X-Factor costume. Um, Cyclops as well, right? I was, I was just, I made a note about Jean. I was like, oh, but it was probably Cyclops, too. So let me look. Uh, yeah, yeah, both of them. That's interesting because I know that those X Factor costumes are not the most remembered the most fondly all the time. But I thought it was an interesting choice. Definitely, to go, to go straight to go straight to when they rejoin the X. Because because to me those costumes are these costumes in, that they show here are interesting and kind of cool because it kind of signifies. Scott and Jean coming back to the X-Men. Um, right. And so to have them kind of wear them the X-Factors, not a, not a bad thing by any means. I thought it was an interesting choice. And then, Jordy, do you have anything else? I'm running. I'm, I have one more on my list, and then that's it. Do you have anything else? Um, yeah, just a couple of small things. Um... I loved how Roma teleported all the X-Men just, like, in their undies. And they're just, yeah. like, in Australia, <laughs> just in their undies. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, page 29. Oh, yeah, the Siege Perilous is, is brought up here. Like, you can walk through it. And it just, uh, I just thought of a couple of years ago when the X-Men were out in space and they, the young ones, and they some of them chose to go through. So we got ah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Firewing Angel and... Mm-hmm. Robo Groot and <laughs> all that fun stuff. Yeah. So the only thing I have left is that I still hate Beast or anyone else uh, justifying Cyclops <laughs> abandoning his family because <laughs> because no, not all roads would have led to that. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, yeah. So that's anything else that I miss any anything I want to. I'd like to say in general about Grand Design. One more panel is the Jean versus Madeline uh, panel is really great where they're they're fighting over Nate. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yep, I agree. So so still loving. It sounds like you guys are on the same page. Kind of definitely this is an experiment or an experience that has uh, continued to go really well. So big kudos to Ed Pisker for his kind of consolidation of x-men history and this is another great chapter how, yeah. how long is, is, so is, is the next issue literally the last one yeah yes yeah so, so everyone's in agreement never to bring up the 90s again <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how far he wanted to go i guess i don't know 
Because it would be remember... interesting to see his take on Morrison and all of that. <laughs> he probably couldn't make heads or tails of how to put that into an actual continuity. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love how he just sort of reimagines and edits. And the other issues are like that as well. There are things that are slightly different, but it's kind of like through through his memory of how he remembered the stories happening. Right. So I, I appreciate that. Have you, just to, to shift the conversation slightly, have you guys read the uh, uh, the Spider-Man uh, issues that are sort of like a similar thing? They're going through the decades? I've tried, but I've not really liked them. Oh, really? I I read part of the first one. I'm loving like the, co- like the covers. Yes. Um... And I will probably read them at some point. I just, I don't know. It's a different energy. I haven't really got into it as much either. Okay. Well, uh, do you have? Were you pretty into it, Georgie? No, no, I haven't started. So I just. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I there's people that really like it. So, I, I'm, I think for some people it's hitting some of the same, I don't know. I guess elements that this is is definitely different because it's all. Well, I say I may I may be wrong about this. Is it all Bagley or just the first one? I think it might be all Bagley, but oh, I think the, go ahead, also sorry. the fact that it's like completely set in that decade. It's like the political climate. That de- this is very it's very different because this is like a condensation and right. like sort of retelling or reinterpretation of 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 those stories. Where this doesn't feel like when I read it, it didn't feel like the same thing. Like it kind of retells classic beats but it frames it within the decade as well so it's it's more like these are stories that that could have or like fit the 90s but aren't necessarily like continuities you know adjacent stories it's kind of I it's really hard to i don't know I, I found it like it does sort of retell his origins blah, blah blah and but it feels like this is spidey in his early early days in the 60s and then i read some of the next one and it just feels like it's it frames them so heavily in that time period, mm. whereas Pisk has kind of like made it into sort of a a cheat sheet of continuity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's very, they're very different beasts. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, like I said, since I'm here, I'm going to talk about some other random Wolverine comics for June and. Really, the first half of June, and yeah, we, we got some randos. Um, <laughs> got about four things I'm going to talk about probably pretty quickly, just because I didn't have a whole lot of a lot of thoughts about them. Um, which, you know, I guess is unfortunate, but maybe for you guys, you're like, hey, get in, get out, get gone. So, I don't know. But anyway, first up, I'm going to talk about Savage Avengers number two. Uh, this is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and the cover is by David Finch and Frank Diamarna. And I'm really disappointed because I, when I bought this at the comic shop, love my comic shop, I didn't realize I was buying a variant cover. So I bought the Mike Diodato Jr. cover, which is not very good. Um, it's a group shot, and I'm not to say he's not good. He's a good artist. I just don't, I don't know what happened here. It looks like, especially Electra, like someone squeezed her. It, looks, it almost looks like it got miscolored, maybe. 
But anyway, but the regular cover, which I would have loved to have gotten by Mr. Finch, um, is pretty great. Uh, it's a, like almost like a space background and then like a tear in it that shows the sky. It's almost like some interdimensional stuff going on. And then Wolverine is jumping at Conan, the barbarian who's swinging his sword. I'm sorry, I guess it's Conan O'Brien. It's Conan, the barbarian, because he's from Texas. Um, Conan. Um, so he's swinging his sword, and Wolverine's swinging his claws, and they're yelling at each other. And it's a pretty great cover. Wolverine's costume is kind of tore up. There's a, almost a 90s thing where... There's a, a hole in his cow and a tuft of hair sticking out. Um, but it's a pretty good cover. I enjoy it. Wish I would have got it. And I and I know what I was doing, I would have. But <laughs> probably going at lunch and in a rush and picked up a, a cover I, I don't really like. But anyway, enough of that. Because actually, Diodato's art on the inside is fine. Um, so we're continuing our story of... Kulong Gath and Kulong Goth. Oh, he, he's kind of gothic. We'll go with goth. Um, which is the, the wizard from Conan Land, a uh, cinnamon roll place, wherever that is. Um, and But now he's in the Savage Land, Savage Avengers for a Savage Land. And we get a flashback of World War II, and there's a, a German Nazi pilot who crashes in the Savage Land. And he kills some dinosaurs, and he finds Kulong Gath, who indoctrinates him into his little cult because he's evil, he's a Nazi, um, and so he's a bad guy. Then we switch to the present, where, of course, our Savage Avengers are, are attacking the city of Skies or whatever, uh, the Citadel. Um, and they're fighting, and Wolverine's fighting, and he's stabbing some hand guys, and they're, paf, in green smoke, and, and Brother Voodoo is dead. And Wolverine's like, oh man, that sucks. And so he takes his claws and he cuts his own hand after he pulls his glove off. And then he takes one single claw. Oh, it's not the middle finger claw. That's funny. And he cuts open Brother Voodoo's chest. <laughs> Denise is giving me the finger. Um, yes, happy Father's Day to me. Um, <laughs> right. So anyway... Um, so he cuts open Brother Voodoo's chest and doesn't pull, kind of pulls his heart out, but not really. But he, he basically bleeds on his heart so that his mutant, he calls it high octane mutant blood. Now that was a weird way to just say, I have a healing factor in my blood. Um, I don't know if this would actually work or not. I guess it would. I, mean, I guess it's kind of like getting a blood transfusion from Wolverine would probably make him heal faster. It says, that's basically what he's doing. He's he's grabbing Brother Voodoo's heart with a bloody hand and giving him a, a, a Savage Land blood transfusion. And so, but then he doesn't think it works, so he leaves to go fight some more ninjas. But then at the last second, Brother Voodoo gasps, and he's awake. Now then Conan is looking for his jewel, and he finds his old friend, the Dark Wizard. And they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? And then they fight. Um, and so that happens. Um, Wolverine continues to fight. There's a cool double page spread where he, he's all bloodied up. He's got swords and arrows sticking out of him. Probably one of the better panels of the book. Um, he's about to fight some more, but then a purple glowy spider web shows up. 
And it's from Brother Voodoo who says, thanks for saving my life. Here's the magic spider web. And so then he grabs Wolverine, but then the wizard shows up and is like, hey, you guys are in trouble. I got rid of Conan. I threw him out a window or something. So, ha. And then the Punisher shows up because the hand dug his family up out of the cemetery and he's pretty PO'd. And he comes in and he gets taken out by some hand ninjas, but he's got like a an explosive on his back because he knew he was going to lay on his stomach. So he planned it that way. And it even says front towards enemy on his back. And he, he pulls out his little remote detonator and he clicks the button and he blows up the hand from his back without hurting himself. I don't get it. I know he's got buttons of steel, but come on. Um, and of course he's mad. He says, where? Where's my family? To be continued. So the art's pretty good. I'm not really into this story, in case you couldn't tell. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a... I, I said this about issue one a little bit. I think this issue maybe even more so. There's kind of almost a... Uh, you almost have to have like a... a <laughs> I can't think of the word. A pre... Not predetermination, but a pre... Predilection? Is that the right word? Like, uh, I, just, I I think if you're a Conan fan, you're like, oh, cool, he's he's back in the regular universe. And this this guy, I'm pretty sure Claremont did some stuff with an X-Men story one time. The bad guy, I think, if I remember right. He, you know, he's back in the Savage Land. And that's cool. Like, if you're really into that, I think this book is going to be right up your alley. If you're like, Conan Schmonan, um, <laughs> then I don't, I don't really know, because even all the other Savage Avengers kind of have like a, I don't know, like they're being filtered through Conan attitude a little bit, but I don't know, I mean it's a dark wizard in the Savage Land, he's got a bunch of hand ninjas, he's gathering heroes to try to get their blood into his magic potion, and they don't really want to give him his, their blood because, you know, they'd like to keep it. Um, I don't know. It's it's fine. Three out of six claws. <laughs> so uh, next up we have War in the Realms number five, which I didn't realize is I think is the penultimate issue. Um, so this is chapter five. The world tree is burning. Written by Jason Aaron. Drawn by Russell Dowderman. Dowderman, sorry, I think he's right. Um, colored by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VC's Joe Sabino, and the cover is by Arthur Adams and Matthew Wilson. I rather like this cover, almost love it. So, there's like a horn of like Asgardian bad guys with Malekith in the foreground, and then coming up behind them, like coming to the reader, is like this giant like thing of Bast, which is the panther god of Wakanda, and He's got, like, you know, almost how the Black Panther's army in the MCU, and even in the comics now, kind of the nanotech. And so, like, where it comes together is, like, glowy purple energy. He's got, like, some of those lines on him, and it looks great. And then all the heroes are on top of it, including Black Panther on top of his head. Then we got Deadpool, Ghost Rider, Captain Marvel, Weapon H, Daredevil, She-Hulk, Iron Man, and Blade, all flanking Black Panther, and... It's good art, and it's fine. It's in the rain. It just there's this thing that Art Adams does sometimes, 
which is really my only complaint about him, besides maybe sexing things up a little too much. But um, his figures never look like they're actually standing on stuff. Well, I won't say never. Often, his figures look like he drew them and then just put them in the scene. But they're not really standing on top of what they're standing on. They're standing on the flat ground. And then the ground went away and this other thing came up and took its place. But they're not real. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain what I'm what I'm not liking about this. And it's, it's a thing that Adams does a lot. I, I didn't mean to say all the time. It's not always that way, but, but fairly often where the figures just look like they're kind of standing in the air. That's a good way to say it. And then whereas they could be like climbing on this really cool panther god that looks great. Um, anyway, nitpicky stuff. That doesn't really matter. So um, War in the Realms continues to rage. Uh, now we have the all-seeing daredevil with Heimdall's powers. And he takes Thor to the sun. Where because when the Asgard was thrown into the sun, the world tree burned. But there was the seed that couldn't die. And so instead of burning, it regrew as like this fire tree. And so Thor tells a story about how Odin one time, like, nailed himself to the world tree to gain wisdom. So he's going to try to do that here with his new sun tree. And then basically, where our Wolverine appearance comes in, we have like 900 different battle scenes of people fighting bad guys um, in all the different areas of, of the earth when they're fighting foes from the different realms. Um, that's really what what's going on. And it's funny, and not that it has to, but some of it matches really closely to like the tie-ins and the people they've been fighting. Some of it not as much. Uh, like Wolverine is now part, or Logan is now part of the Warriors 3 with um, uh, Hogun, I think is his name. I'm drawing a blank. And the dashing guy. He's kind of like Errol Flynn. Um, anyway, so he, you know, he's fighting with them, which, you know, last time we saw him, he was in the Land of the Giants doing, doing the, the rescue thing of Thor. But, of course, Thor is now back, so he doesn't need to be there anymore. But anyway, um, so lots, lots of fighting all over the place. Um, you know, my only real complaint about this story, or the event, is some of the tie-ins are better than the actual story and that they're actually like have a progression like a beginning middle and end and this feels like it just kind of has like a little story that kind of goes in the background with a whole lot of hey look what these guys are doing you know which i think is kind of where events have, have started going lately but anyway so so daredevil took yarnborn and he threw it at thor and chopped his leg to the world tree so thor's Hanging upside down, burning. Um, like his helmet melted off of him. His clothes are all melting off. Um, and he's going to try to get some, some wisdom. And then, you know, that's kind of where we'll leave off. So the art, you know, Russell Dodderman is just glorious. So this art is no exception. Great, great art. The story is, it's not nothing wrong with the story. It just doesn't really seem to have a lot of focus I guess would be the right word um you kind of have to really like hey okay so this is the plot and this is just like fluff <laughs> I mean it's cool fluff it's our heroes fighting bad guys that's what you want right so I mean all in all I would give War in the Realms number 5 uh 4 out of 6 claws 
And so next up is Dead Man Logan, number 8. 8 out of 12. Um, this is Welcome Back Logan, part 2. Written by Ed Brisson. Art by Mike Kinderson. Colors by Nolan Woodard. And letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Um, on the cover is by Declan Shalvey. And here we still have our banner across like this, the left hand one third. And the, of course the Dead Man Logan logo is getting progressively more bloody. By now the blood has dripped down all the way through the G of Logan. And starting to cover the A. Um, and then on the other two thirds, the right hand side of the cover, we have Old Man Logan fighting some wasteland bumpkins and he's got baby hulk in one arm and claws slinging in the other arm it's a pretty it's a pretty cool cover um it's very like almost not grayed out but almost like a grayish green out and then the background is all in red so i don't know it's it's nice it looks it looks good um so remember logan's back in the wastelands he's found danny and baby bruce hulk um, and they named after the real Hulk, who was a hero, at least up to a point <laughs> in this future. Um, and Logan's driving around, and uh, Danny Cage is like, everybody's going to be looking for you now that they've heard your back. And uh, Baby Hulk, he's not, he's pretty big for a big baby. Um, he's just riding in the back. And they're driving around the wastelands in a little doom buggy. And, you know, Danny's kind of saying... You know, right on cue, people are looking for you. We have Frankenstein's Sabretooth, who's all, like, sewed up. And then one of his hands is, like, a metal claw. So I guess his hand didn't go back. Then he replaced it with, with metal claws. And he's got the cannibals that were uh, snacking on Logan. He's like, I know he was here. Tell me where he went. And they're like, oh, we don't know. But we didn't know. Don't you think we'd want to go find him? I mean, he was like the snack that keeps on giving. Like, we eat a little bit and it grows back. And so, you know, we would chase him down if we knew where he went. And Sabretooth says, I think you're planning on chasing him down. You know, you got me interested in this whole cannibal thing. I wonder what it tastes like. And so he bites the guy's throat out. Um, you know, a little gamey for me. Um, and the other guy's like, okay, I'll talk. So then we go to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. We go to Kelmart, which I guess is a cross between Walmart and Kmart. Um, and they're cooking some dinner over a burning trash can. And they're talking a little bit. And Danny's like, why did you come back? Because Logan basically says, like, he was he was there in the past before everything went to went to hell. And he was hanging out with the X-Men. And, and you know, he was, he was Logan for a little while. And she just doesn't get it. Like, why... Why leave that and come back here? He says, well, first of all, I made a promise to you and Baby Holt. And second of all, and this kind of gets a little metatextual. He's kind of like, I never felt like I was the real Logan. I was just kind of holding his place till he, till he, I, whoever, came back. And then when he did, you know, there were too many Logans. And I guess kind of, I mean, obviously, I think it's personal for the character and emotional because he's like, yeah, it feels a little crowded, and maybe I've served my purpose. <laughs> but I think also as the reader, the writer, maybe taking a little stab at like, you know what? Don't really need this character anymore. Let's send him off. <laughs> and that's what this this whole series is about. So, um, so we have that, and then 
And Danny's like, well, I did, I did miss you. And, and they hug it out. But then she's like, oh, crap. And baby Bruce is gone. And he went to try to find some books at the library. Now, Sabretooth uh, burns up all the cannibals and takes her car. And he's talking to someone on the phone and says, I'm on his trail. He won't get away. Um, so then Logan and Danny Cage go to the Kansas City Library. They're going to get Baby Hulk. And he's in there fighting some monks of some sort who are in the library and they don't want him to take their books but he wants new books to read because he likes reading um and he's killing the monks throws one out a window and uh oh the tranquility temple is what they are uh danny calls them a weird ass peace cult um oh okay so i'm sorry they weren't worried about the books they're actually trying to kill bruce because they don't want any hulks to come back like, all the Hulks are gone from the Wasteland right now, and they don't feel like anybody should have access to, to Hulk-type power. So they have this big, like, cocoon thing, and they open it up. There's, like, the Hulk Killer, which is a big pink, almost, um... Uh, one of those things the leader used to have. Uh, not a mandroid, but, um... Like, the little, the little peoples. Sometimes they look like robots. Sometimes they look like people. Sometimes they look like the... The guys that had like anvils for heads. Um, I don't remember what they're called. Anyway, very reminiscent of that. A glowing giant pink guy. And um, Danny and Logan show up just in time. But uh, Baby Hulk and and a uh, pink guy are fighting. And they're like, for the good of America. We need peace and kill the Hulk. Um... But Logan's like, no way is we going down like this. And like, all right, bub, let's get this over with. And he tries to stab the thing, but it's like gelatinous. And his claws just kind of shuck into it, but they almost kind of like get stuck. And so um, the pink guy beats Logan up with his fork and pulls out his lungs and just holds them in his hand. And remember, Logan's healing factor not working so great. So anyway, that's to be continued. That's our cliffhanger is is this big pink jello guy holding Logan's lungs. And his little intestines falling out of his stomach. So I guess he reached up through his... Yeah, he would have had to. He can't get through the adamantium ribs. So he goes through his stomach up behind his ribs and pulls the lungs out. Pretty grotesque. Um, Alright, so this art by Mike Henderson and Nolan Woodard on colors is still really, really fantastic. Love the art. Um, I mean, I was worried the story wouldn't be quite as interesting when it got to the Wastelands, and I'm finding that to be true. It's not bad by any stretch. I mean, it's still a good story, but I don't know. Some of the emotional kind of, I guess, goodbye of Logan leaving the world and coming back home, and now he's just kind of going around fighting bad guys. Um, lots of fighty fight, which is, I mean, I... It sounds weird that I even say that's that's bad that Logan's running around the wasteland kicking ass. That's what you want, right? I don't know. Um, it's a very solid four out of six claws. Um, you know the part of Logan and Danny and Baby Hulk kind of talking is probably the, the the better part of the issue. And it looks like next issue we're gonna we're gonna have a face off with Sabretooth. Um, though I'm curious because there's no more Reginex and Reginex, so.
I don't know if old man Logan can really re recover from losing his lungs. And I think as slow as his healing factor is, it'd take him like a month to throw those bad boys back and he would die in that time. I don't know. I guess we'll see how they work that out. But anyway, yeah, a, a solid four out of six claws. I'm still enjoying this. I'm just not... I thought those first six issues are like pretty spot on perfect. I think I gave them like all six out of six claws. At least the first five, for sure. Um, and so, you know, it's not quite that good, but it's still really good. Okay, well, last but not least, we have Major X number five. This is written by Rob Liefeld. Pencils by Brent Peoples. Inks by Adelso Corona. And colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And the cover by Liefeld and Fajardo Jr. Which basically takes the other covers, but instead of Major X being the guy standing in front of other characters, now it's a woman in purple armor. And her shoulder fat. Uh, shoulder pads. Her shoulder pads are faceplates. And she has a gun that doesn't look like a gun. It looks like a... I don't know what it looks like. A piece of... A long piece of plastic. A stapler, maybe? I don't know. Anyway. So, that, that's a cover. It's there. Um, I, I don't know. It's because I'm not enjoying it. It's I'm not paying enough attention or if this plot is unclear. I don't actually really know what happens in this story. Um, so they find the essential, uh, Major X and McCoy, uh, find the essential, and he takes them to Genosha where there's a bunch of blue sentinels. But he controls the sentinels, and actually uh, this other person does, um, Aura, who's the lady from the front cover. And she comes up and Basically what happens is she's going to die and Accentual is going to transfer his essence to her. Um, so the Atlanteans have decided as they come back in the past too. Alright, so remember the, the, the gist of this is Major X and McCoy came back in the past to find the Accentual in the past and and they did. I think all this is in the the past. But Genosha at this point wouldn't have been, I don't know. And this looks kind of future-y. That's why I get confused. But then the Atlantean army shows up and they're on in surface armor. So they got, you know, armor with water inside so they can breathe. Um, also, it's like Iron Man armor. But filled with water. Like an Iron Man aquarium suit, kind of. Um, so they fight all the Sentinels and there's, there's a big fight. And then... Um, Major X and the new essential. So we go back to the back to the future, uh, where Old Man Namor is like he's gonna he's gonna do some stuff because uh, Atlantis is not happy. So they decide their new plan for Atlantis is they can't get the essential or defeat Major X since Major X went back in time to save the essential. Then they have to go back in time and prevent Major X from ever existing by killing his parents. So that's what they're playing. Lots of, lots of going back in different times. Um, so then we get an X-Men Red cameo, which just made me realize how much I missed that book. Um, so we see X-23. So that's kind of why we're talking about this issue. Because she's there. Um, and then, so 
So we go back because now Major X and his crew time hop to 2019 to talk to his mom, who is Storm. And that's why he's not old. He's young with a black guy with white hair like his mom. So now the the idea of Cable and Storm getting it on kind of turns my stomach. Um, <laughs> white Storm has better taste than that, but you know, who knows what the future holds or how apocalyptic it gets. <laughs> um, yeah, this art, uh, Peoples has not. He's kind of been like a a cleaner life though, but this I think he got really rushed. Some of these scenes are pretty clean. Some of it's pretty sloppy. Um, I don't really care about this story at all. Um, and then, yeah, Cable and Storm, no thanks. Um, I'm going to give Major X number five one out of six claws. So, we're going to end the episode on that happy note. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, hope you enjoyed the grand design talk. Um, Next up, we'll probably be another flashback, and then we'll get the Escalabros back on to talk about Grand Design Extinction Part 2. So that'll be the next couple episodes. The flashback will be um, back to Hammer Time, um, Larry Hammer and uh, the Blood and Claws storyline from the Solo Wolverine book. And then also we'll have some flashback Extinction Agenda kind of aftermath. Um... So yeah, so all that's coming up. So, you know, for Excalibros, uh, their Twitter is at Excalibros1. So go check them out. Um, of course, for the podcast that goes snicked, Twitter is at Snickcast. Um, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. Um, please like the Facebook page. If you'd like to give an iTunes review, go for it. I mean, that'd be cool. Um... And of course, retweets and Facebook shares are always welcome. You know, help some other people find the show. So, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye.